Who out there could use a fresh start? Anyone opposed to a clean slate? A, a little do-over? I love a fresh start, and trust me, I need them a lot with my kids, my wife. Thank God that his mercies are new every morning. And last week we were taking a look at the Apostle Paul's fresh start that he got in Acts chapter 9. And I want us to keep digging into that and hang out here for one more week. So if you missed last week, don't skip this intro like you can skip an intro on Netflix. Last week we talked about this, this guy, Saul who was breathing out murderous threats against Jesus' followers. I mean, they weren't called Christians yet, but he hated Christians. I mean, this is uh, just messing with them, persecuting them, torturing them, uh, trying to wipe out this movement. He would be, uh, in modern days, he would be the one on Twitter just, just spewing out so much toxic uh, information about Christians, trying to find them, track them down, uh, spewing out so much hate, anything he could do on Facebook or whatever, if it was modern times, to destroy this Jesus movement. And Saul was no, no, no dummy. He was a sharp guy. This is the leader of leaders in the first century when it came to the Jewish faith. I mean, he was the best of the best in uh, an ancient version of the LinkedIn profile uh, for, for the Apostle Paul is in Philippians chapter three. And these are his own words. This is before Jesus. He said, though I myself have some reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard for the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So there's a lot of stuff in there. You may think, why are we talking about circumcision and, and Pharisees and all that? He's basically saying when it came to the, the hardcore Jewish faith of the Pharisees, he, he was basically Ivy League cream of the crop. This was a Jewish man full of faith, but he was also full of fury towards those who were following Jesus. And we talked about how in Acts 8, 3, it says, but Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now, notice the strategy. He was going from house to house. That's how the enemy works, going from house to house. The enemy wants to get in your head when you're at home with your family because no one can push your buttons like the people you live around, whether you're related to them or whether they're your roommates. I mean, uh, offense may happen in a church building and stuff may happen at work that gets you off, off balance and off kilter, but the enemy goes house to house. And, and Paul was... was finding these trick Christians, tracking them down. And uh, in Acts chapter 9, he actually asked for a letter to go up to Damascus, and he wanted to arrest all the Jesus followers. He went to the leaders and said, I want to go on basically a 150-mile journey from Jerusalem in the south of Israel all the way up to Damascus. I mean, this guy's committed. Back then, it would have taken six days or more likely two weeks to snuff out what God was doing. And he's not taking a really nice Uber 
or flying first class. Like he's on a horse, a camel, uh, probably not staying at Airbnbs on the way either. He's, he's so full of fury to stomp these people out. He's going to extreme measures. And on the road, Jesus stops Saul right in his tracks and basically says, you think you're persecuting and hurting the people that are following me, but you're actually persecuting me. And Saul has this white light blind his eyes. He's blinded by the light. Has a vision later on of this guy named Ananias in another city coming to lay hands on him and heal him. And Ananias is in another city and he hears God say, go and pray, put, lay your hands on Saul and he will be healed. And Ananias says, uh, God, that's the one who's killing us. Like, are you sure you got, got the story straight? And God basically tells him, I'm going to pick who I want to pick, Ananias, and, and I'm sending you to do this work. And then in cha uh, chapter 9, verse 17 of Acts, it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Now, what I want to point out in that, in that chunk of text we just read together is that Saul's conversion started individually. Jesus came to him and said, hey, you are on the wrong path. But notice how it was reinforced in community. And in our, in our culture these days, individualism is a huge idea. And it's, now it's even subconscious that this whole life is about us and our needs and inward focused. But following Jesus means that, that, that we are shaped by the people around us. And Jesus intentionally chose community. He used community to, to refresh himself. He used community to pour himself out. And Jesus needed, as a human being, he needed community. Why do we think we can go it alone at times? I mean, there were, uh, the, around solid ground, uh, I can't remember if I've told the story online, but one day I just told a story about going for a hike. And I'd planned to go halfway to, uh, to the Ice House Canyon saddle, but I, I walked really fast, but I only had enough water to get to the saddle of Ice House Canyon. I only had enough food to get to the canyon and back to the parking lot, but I was making really good time. And I thought, oh, let me just see if I can make it up to the top of Ontario Peak. And a few hours later, I realized I'm out of water. I didn't bring enough food. My knees are sore. I'm really tired. I didn't make it up to the top of the mountain. But as I was coming down, I passed dozens of people saying, you good? You got water? You need anything? And I said, I'm good. I'm good. I was too proud. I was too embarrassed to ask for help. I was too, uh, yeah, I was too macho. I'm going to, I'm just going to fix this on my own. And it was the thirstiest four-hour walk back to 
the parking lot uh, of my car and I, I stopped at a gas station and got every kind of water they had. I don't know how many, how many quarts I downed in the parking lot. People probably thought, uh, this guy's, uh, we need to keep our distance from him. And the point is, don't be like me. <laughs> if you're thirsty, if you're tired, if you're saying, I want community, but I don't even know where to start, like reach out to us. Because uh, life was not meant to be done alone. And even heroes like Saul, who became Paul, needed community around them. And we find ourselves in verse 20. It says, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Wait, what? <laughs> this guy has gone from persecuting Jesus' followers, and now he's preaching the good news of Jesus. Like that is an enormous 180 degree shift in the trajectory of his life. Now he's preaching for the very thing he was trying to destroy. This is what the grace of God does. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning, watching, watching someone who's encountered Jesus and heard Jesus's voice say, son, daughter, I love you so much that I can't let you keep on going in the direction that you're going. Over here, I love watching people's hearts come to life, watching the light in their eyes when they experience the love and the grace of Jesus. Like, And maybe your story is different than Saul's. It doesn't happen for everybody the same exact way. Saul was at one moment arresting Jesus' followers, and now, just a couple of days later, he's one of them. Like, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But being with Jesus, you can't be with Jesus and not have a change. And it comes from the inside out when you experience God's love. I mean, there's this obscure Christian, um, Christian band called the Newsboys. And they had this line in there that, that the love of God creates the kind of change that would make a vegetarian barbecue hamsters. Uh, like it's, that line keeps coming out and I, I couldn't filter it out. But it's, it's that kind of massive life change. It's a kind of life change for those of you who've had kids I mean, before, I, I call it uh, BKs. These are before kids people. And before kids, I knew, I read the books. Marie and I read, uh, we, we had our strategy. We knew how we were going to do discipline. We knew, oh, we're not going to use props, sleep props. Uh, our, our children will self-soothe. We're not using a pacifier. I mean, that's, that's not even real rubber that you're putting in the kid's mouth. It's probably just them sucking on a cancer stick. Like, we knew everything. Then we had a kid, <laughs> just one. And I remember my boss coming over to my house and he opened the door a couple days after we had a newborn in the house and he's lying to me saying, oh, you look good. Yeah, you look really good. You're doing great, man. I answered the door, hair was disheveled. Uh, Marie and I were in this space where we like, we just want 20 minutes alone <laughs> to sleep and what is it about a kid that they it's it's like the fight or flight system it, it's uh, telepathy as soon as you close your eyes eh, like they know it's a huge life change but the life change Saul went through is even more dramatic than the change of having kids he is a new man 
And in verse 21, it says, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them prisoners to the chief priests? See, the people even in Damascus, they knew Saul for who he was. They didn't know him for who God was calling him to be. And there may be some of you who are, are with us this, uh, this time to, that are in this space now. Uh, you've started going to church, maybe. You started volunteering in a local church. Uh, maybe you started giving your money and, and you're investing in a local church. And people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you, you go where? Wait, you give your time and your talent and, and even your, your money to, to a church? No, don't you remember? Like, no, we used to go out. We used to party. Or we used to do whatever. Are, are you sure that place is not a cult? Like, maybe your family's saying, like, I, I noticed something's off. Like, we don't talk about church. We, we talk about the Dodgers. We talk about the Rams. We don't talk about Jesus. But this is what the grace of God does when you experience Jesus. You shift from, I do these things not because I have to, like, I get to do these things. I'm responding to Jesus' love in my life. I'm not trying to earn something. I'm, I'm enjoying being in this community. It's an honor for me to give Jesus my whole life. Only the grace of God can do that in someone's life. And, and people don't know what to do with this Saul guy that we're talking about. And in verse 22, it says, Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. The whole Jesus thing was way outside of the Jewish perspective of how God was going to work in the world. They didn't know that Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection was the crescendo of everything that the Jewish religion had been leading up to, and they missed it. But Paul, being the Ivy League scholar of all things Jewish, it says he was able to prove to them, and that word is key there because it hinges like it's a word that means it brings together in a unit and i wanted to say to those of you thinkers out there some people separate other people into categories thinkers feelers and doers thinkers we need you keep thinking when you start following jesus it doesn't mean you need to check your intellect at the door it doesn't mean that you have to turn your brain off thinkers we need you because the feelers like me, we can talk to thinkers that are wrestling with doubts or wrestling with miracles in the Bible or how the Bible was put together. And us feelers, we just feel it. And we're like, oh, I felt the warmness of Jesus. Thinkers, we need you to stay sharp. Go deep. Because right now, the Holy Spirit is working on other thinkers. And you are equipped to, to do what Saul was doing. You, you are equipped. God will give you the words to communicate God's love and to, to bring all the things together in a unit. We need all of you. So here's Paul, gone from persecuting Christians to really baffling uh, everyone around him, people who believed in Jesus and people who were still following the Jewish religion, and they don't know what to do with his newfound faith. So what does Paul get for all of this? Now he's following Jesus. Does, does Paul get a new job maybe? 
Does he get a promotion? Maybe, uh, maybe Jesus says, oh, now that you're my follower, Paul, you, you, you get this sweet house. I'm going to give you one in Damascus and one in Jerusalem, and you can just go around preaching, does, preaching about me. I mean, does Paul get a date for following Jesus? What does he get? Does he get a car? Does he get a bonus or maybe a vacation? As we continue along in verse 23, here's what Paul gets. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch in the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. So the Bible, 66 books, God used different authors, using different literary genres. When it says the, the Jews were looking to kill him, that's not figurative language. They were trying to kill him. So what did Saul get for his newfound faith? He got a basket. <laughs> he was lowered through a hole in the, in the city gates through a basket down the side of a wall. Not very glamorous. I mean, I've been asking myself, like if I'm Paul, and in, in hopefully the basket was bigger than this one, but you're, I'm in that basket. Like I've had an experience with God incarnate. I'm following God and I'm, I'm winning other people to, to, to the, this new faith. And now I'm, for my troubles, I'm escaping a, a conspiracy to kill me? I didn't get a promotion. I didn't get a celebration. There was no red carpet laid out for me. Right now, I'm in a basket. I'm following Jesus and I'm hiding in a basket. And I wanna talk to you right now about maybe your situation. Maybe you feel like Paul felt when, you were, when he was in the basket. You know, you've been following Jesus, but life's thrown some hard things at you. Or some people have thrown some difficult hurts, like you're, you've got scars right now. You've been trying to follow Jesus, but you're carrying around trauma. You're carrying around pain. I want to give kudos to everyone who's in a basket right now, like Paul. Maybe you feel like literally a basket case. And I want to let you know, even though times are tough, even though things you're carrying around pain and hurt, we need you. We need you. You're inspiring us. Life's thrown things at you. And sometimes, sometimes God takes his time and it's not on your timeline and God hasn't come through yet. Maybe you've been trying to get pregnant, but you had a miscarriage, but you're still lifting your hands and you're saying, I'm gonna follow Jesus no matter what. Maybe you've just been diagnosed with cancer or you've been fighting cancer and you're saying, okay, I'm still gonna follow Jesus even though my health right now is, is, is in the tank, but you're still lifting your hand saying, I'm going to trust in the goodness of God. Maybe you're in debt right now and you don't see a way out, but you're saying, God is good, God is good. God will deliver me. I'm not going to give up hope. Maybe right now your marriage is in deep trouble, like you're in crisis mode with your marriage. But you're saying, God, give me the grace 
to, to own my part and to, and to bring some health into this. God, and you're looking for the wisdom of God, for healing and deliverance and for resurrection in your, in your marriage. Don't give up. You may be in the basket, but thank you for still clinging on to, to the grace of Jesus. We need you and, and we're here for you. Um, you're in the basket, but you can still be blessed. So in verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. <laughs> Duh, <laughs> of course they were scared of him. They'd heard the stories and I would be skeptical too. They knew who he was. This was the house-to-house torture guy, put people who follow Jesus in prison guy. But I love this next part. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Okay, wait a minute. (laughs) Who is this guy that just jumped into the narrative? How does he have the authority to go to the apostles and say, okay, guys, if you need a reference, so he was a good reference. I got your reference, guys. Here's here's the Saul. Here's, Here's what happened. Jesus came and talked to him. Like Barnabas is sticking up for Paul. And why would these guys believe Barnabas? We're talking about Peter, James, John, the big guys. And Barnabas sticks up for for Saul, for Paul, and they say, okay, well, the first time Barnabas appears is actually in Acts chapter four, verse 36. Listen to this. His name's Joseph. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So this guy's named Joseph. There's a lot of name changes going on here. This guy Joseph was called Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. Like this is the guy who is is not just optimistic uh, blindly. This guy's optimistic because he knows Jesus. He's he's probably uh, before Saul's conversion saying, guys, I know this this Saul guy is trying to kill us, but we're going to make it. (laughs) I know things are hard. We're going to make it. His name was changed because of how he was living his life. And he wasn't just an encourager with his words. He served other people. He sacrificed to advance the cause of Christ. He was an encourager and a giver. He, he, you don't get the name son of encouragement if you're walking around with a critical spirit and tearing other people down. And I think this speaks to us today. Like, We live in a culture that is so critical. We have an opportunity to be salt and light here in 2022 by taking a a cue from from Barnabas to walk around um, with with an encouraging spirit, encouraging words coming out of our our mouths. And and he was generous not as a strategy, like I'm going to butter the apostles up, I'm going to say some nice things, I'm going to give them a nice offering. It wasn't a strategy just to manipulate them. Like It's recorded that with this idea of a pure heart, Barnabas has experienced Jesus' grace and goodness, but he walks around encouraging people, 
empathizing with people. Okay, I know it's hard, but how can I help you? How can I come alongside of you and refresh you and, and carry your burden too? What a great, great opportunity we have now to be that for other people in a culture where we celebrate critics. We celebrate somebody who can take apart an idea and point out this is wrong, that's wrong. We live in a culture that's so easy to comment on social media. When someone's trying to do something nice, oh, that's nice, but what about this thing over here? You missed a spot. I'm just thinking, ooh, maybe that's where it is. I just thought of that. We live in a you missed a spot culture where we're, we're ignoring all the good things people are trying to do and saying, mm, yeah, you missed a spot. Like, do we have a church family that will sign up for this kind of life? I think it's needed. And not from the outside in. We need to take a moment and remember all of the things that we've been forgiven of, all the things that Jesus represents and offers to give us, and lay down that impulse and work on quieting that impulse to be critical and selfish and start living a life of transformation. Start, start experiencing the power of God that can transfer a Saul to a Paul. This, this guy who wound up writing two-thirds of the New Testament was the same person who was attacking Christians. God used Paul to, to write the Bible and to expand the movement throughout the Roman Empire. And he used a guy who was known. Like I love the irony here. As, as great as the, the resume Saul had, he had, and he was able to prove things, he still needed someone to give him a reference. This Barnabas guy. Encouragement and generosity opened the door for Paul to do what Paul did. And I wonder in heaven if maybe Paul didn't get the reward for being Paul. But everyone looked at Barnabas and said, hey, good job, Barnabas. Good job, Ananias. Let us be the generation that opens the doors for other people. Let us be the church that encourages other people and invests in other people so that God's good news can expand around the world. How do we do it? Do we just, just say nice things and, and give away our money? No, I think it, it starts on the inside. Uh, Paul wrote, to set your mind on things above and not things here. Like to, to, to have our minds connected and continually filling our minds with the teachings of Jesus, what Jesus says about you. That's one of the ways that we cultivate gratitude, which leads to generosity, encouragement. And let's, let's see what God can do with our lives. Maybe we'll have a, a transformation in our own circumstances and experience. And let's ask Jesus here in these next couple moments to, to open our eyes and for God to do a new work in us. Because without this connection to God and cultivating a relationship with the living God, we're not going to be able to face anything that's coming down the road at us as a church, as individuals. Let's ask God right now to do a new work in us. Won't you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, would you please give us a clean slate right now and give us your eyes to see the world um, 
as you see it, to see where you're moving and where you're working. Give us new eyes to see ourselves and our circumstances. God, we lay down our burdens at your feet. We, we surrender the outcomes of all the situations in our life. We give that over to you right now and ask that you would give us eyes to see our lives and, and the part we play in your mission as you see it. So use us for your glory, Lord Jesus. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, like I mentioned before, if I said anything that kind of pricked your heart and you're like, I want to know more about that, or if you're lonely and need help finding some community, or, or you have a prayer request, maybe you're just carrying around something heavy, don't do that alone. Reach out to us. We'd love to come alongside of you. And the quickest and easiest way to get in contact with us is at sgbic.com. And we're praying for you. We love you. We believe in you. And until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.